Well, guys, it's 6.30, so uh, let me pull your attention back and uh, introduce, I'm not teaching this morning, Jim Porter, if you guys don't know him, he is going to be leading us. Um, he's one of our deacons here at the church and uh, a gifted teacher, so I decided to give him the fall of mankind since, you know, I'm, I'm perfectly holy, so I can't talk on this topic. Um, that's a joke. That was, I didn't, oh. That was a big joke. Um, now I understand. One quick announcement before I do, uh, don't forget about the men's prayer breakfast coming up on November the 4th. Uh, we'd love to have you join us 8 to 9.30 in the morning, chance for us to come together, pray for our church as men. Uh, if you have sons, you're welcome to bring them. Um, if you've got friends in your life you'd like to invite, um, they're welcome as well. But, uh, but yeah, please uh, sign up so we can prepare for food. It's, it's free, but there's a lot of work involved, so it helps if we know a number. But uh, with that, Jim, lead us. All right. Guys, why don't we open up in prayer, and then we'll get started. Lord God, thank you for your goodness and your grace. Um, Lord, thank you for your word. Um, just ask that you would, uh, uh, Lord God, that you would stir us this morning. Um, Lord, that you would, um, you would give me the grace to be able to communicate the truth that you want us to hear, Lord. Um, <clears throat> and that it would bring glory to your name, that it would edify us, Lord God. Please open our eyes as we look into your word. Please have your way with us, Lord God. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, guys. So, yeah, not only did Brian give me this, maybe because I'm, the, uh, I'm better, better suited to talk about the fall, but um, I, uh, gosh, why do you give me this one? This is uh, chapter three might be the most important chapter in the Bible for understanding the whole of the Bible. I mean, there is so much in here um, <clears throat> that we could talk about, so much, you know, theology, so much of our doctrine and, and theology, you know, finds its roots in here. And so, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's foundational for us to, to understand, you know, sort of what's wrong with us, What's wrong with, uh, with our relationships to God and with each other? What's wrong with our, with our world? Um, so, and then, of course, it unfolds the theme. You know, it introduces that theme of, of God's redemption that is then going to be, you know, laid out through the whole of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. We're going to see it first here. So it's a really important um, Really important chapter. Um, and there's a lot to say in there. Um, don't get any delusions that I'm going to um, touch on any of these difficult questions that we find in there um, because I am just not smart enough. Um, you know, there's a lot of those questions like, you know, why did, uh, why did God, God allow the, the serpent, you know, in the garden? Where did the serpent come from? Not just a serpent, but a talking serpent. Why was the serpent talking? Why did God allow, you know, Adam to be... Um, you know, to be tempted and Eve to be tempted. Why did he allow them, you know, to happen? Um, don't want to focus on those things. There's going to be three things I want to focus on today. But, you know, let me, let me just say that I was um, reading a quote by Calvin, and uh, it intrigued me, and his quote was addressing this whole issue of how, um, you know, how we question God. And it was specifically, you know, how we question God, why he would permit Satan to tempt us to fall. Uh, and his response was, I wish that men would rather suffer themselves to be judged by God 
than that with profane audacity. I think I have it here. No. But um, he said, I wish that I would, men would rather suffer themselves to be judged by God than that with profane audacity they should pass judgment upon him. But this is the arrogance of the flesh to subject God to its own test. And oftentimes, what I saw in this is that oftentimes we're asking uh, what we're asking, um, why we're asking the question is more important than um, what we're asking. Oftentimes we're asking because we want to see that the answers satisfy our own judgment, that we want to see that it passes our own test, that, it, that it's just. And when we look at some of these questions in, in, um, in Genesis chapter 3, I, I think we can do that. And I think what's most important in chapter 3, the things that I want to focus on, the, the three things that I want to focus on um, are um, our relationship to the Word, our, um, our relationship to, you know, what we do when we fall. And then, you know, the big thing in Genesis chapter 3 is just the revelation, I think, of the gospel there. So, real quick, um, themes. Um, every, yeah, I figured it out, Ryan. Um, this might be the first chapter where every theme, I think, is hitting there. So I'm not going to go over those, but all the themes that we're studying are, are we're going to be seeing in there, especially, obviously, sin and, and judgment uh, and grace. Um, so um, let's get right to it. Um, one of the reasons also I wanted to start with that, that quote from Calvin and that thought is because I, I think that's where Satan went with. I, I think it leads right into... Um, you know, what Satan did. Satan attacked um, successfully in his in encounter with Eve as he, um, you know, he caused her to doubt in the trustworthiness of God. He caused her to doubt in the goodness of God and the truth of God. And ultimately, he sought to inspire both of them to rebellion, especially Adam. He sought to um, inspire them to rebellion. And um, how was he successful in that? What did he do? Well, he attacked their, the, their knowledge of God's character, and he attacked their dependence on that knowledge. So Adam and Eve were different than all of the other creation, not just because they were created in the image of God, but they were created in, in such a way that they could communicate with God. Um, you know, they were given the ability to communicate with God, and they were made dependent on God's instructions. Paul David Tripp um, he says that a man was created to be dependent on God. They were, on, they were the only creatures to whom God had to explain their purpose to them. If you notice, in, you know, when God created the, the creatures, he didn't, he didn't speak to them. He didn't explain what their purposes to, were. They knew it instinctually. But when God created man, the first thing he did to him was, was he spoke to him. And then he had to tell him what his purpose was. He told him, you know, be fruitful and multiply and, and subdue the earth. So man was, was created to, uh, to communicate with God, and he was created to be dependent on God. Um, so they were the only creatures to whom God had to explain. And he says that, uh, Paul David Tripp says that they, they didn't need this help because they were sinners, our dependence on God is not because we're sinners. Our dependence on God's word is not because we're fallen. Our dependence on God's word is how we were created from the very beginning. 
Um, and that's what, um, that's, what Ad, that's what Satan attacked. And he, you know, he focused his attack on Eve. Um, you know, and I don't know why he focused the attack on Eve. Because really, it was Adam that he wanted to inspire to rebel. But you know, maybe he saw that, that he could somehow create doubt in Eve's mind and, and undermine her understanding of the word. Maybe he could get her, deceive her into thinking that, um, that there was something good by disobeying God. I mean, maybe he took advantage of her role as the perfect helper for Adam. Because it does say that, that you know, she saw that the food was good, that, that, that the tree was good for food. Says that she saw it was, you know, it was a delight to the eyes, and it said, she, she said, you know, it was desirable to make one wise, and so maybe he could cause doubt in her, in her role as a helper to Adam, and so, and we know from Scripture that her her fall and Adam's fall are treated a little different. I mean, and Paul talks about in Corinthians um, and in Timothy that she was deceived, and that was what her. Her issue was she was deceived. Adam, it says, you know, he, he rebelled. Um, he fell. So um, whatever it was, you know, she fell. She was deceived. Um, what I found interesting, and I don't know if you saw that in there, is what happened? How did, when Adam fell, what was, what was the temptation? What was he seeing? How was, how was Eve's? Uh, the attack on Eve, how did it impact Adam? Um, we, know, we know that Adam was there with Eve. It tells us that he was there. He didn't, he didn't intervene. He wasn't a part of the conversation, but he obviously was privy to the conversation. And he didn't, um, uh, you know, he, he didn't say anything. We also know that there was a conversation between Eve and, and Adam. So what was going on in Adam's, um, in Adam's thought? Um, so, anyways, the first point I want to get to um, is that, <clears throat> oh, by the way, here is a, uh, guys, sorry, I'm a little scattered. Here's a quote that I pulled from uh, Paul David Tripp. Um, Adam and Eve were created to be revelation receivers. They were given communicative abilities that no other creature were given. They were created with the ability to hear, understand, and apply God's word to their lives. These abilities were not given primarily to encourage human relationships. They were given so that we could know God and understand him. And so that brings me to the first teaching point. We should respond to temptation by the word of God. That's exactly what was going on in that first, in that temptation, was to cause doubt in their dependence on the word, their, to cause doubt in their um, in their knowledge of the word. Um, Adam and Eve knew God both by personal fellowship with him and by his revelation. So they knew God in, in ways that we didn't get to know God. We know God primarily through his word, through his written revelation. You know, the Holy Spirit will, will reveal God to us through his word. But um, that's the only way that we really can know God. And so God's word is the most important thing in our life. I, I, I'm not saying that it should be the most important thing in our life, but God's word is the most important thing in our life. I mean, don't miss the, the lessons from the Gospels. 
So Jesus, when, you know, when he was tempted, and, and the temptation of Jesus, you know, it parallels the temptation of Adam. I mean, they were both, Adam was in a, uh, uh, you know, they were both, um, well, Adam was in a garden. Jesus was in a desert. Adam was in a place where there was food all around him, um, good food, desirable food. Jesus was in a wasteland where there was nothing. Adam had probably been full and eaten. Jesus hadn't eaten in 40 days. Um, but they were both tempted, and they were both tempted, um, they were both tempted by food. And uh, Eve was tempted by food. And Adam and Eve, they fell because they discounted the word of God. What was the first thing that, uh, that, that Satan said? He said, did God actually say you shall not eat of any of the food or any of the trees? Jesus was tempted um, to challenge God's word too. And how did Jesus respond? You know, he responded by saying, you know, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Adam and Eve fell when they didn't have any need for food. Jesus was little, literally starving. And what he was saying basically was, God's word is more important than my life. Forty days he hadn't eaten. His body was going into starvation. And yet he said, God's word is more important than, than life. Um, we need to know the word. You know, Eve didn't know the word as well as she, as she needed to. You know, Satan challenged her, and he challenged her by misquoting and misrepresenting the word. And Eve didn't know the word well enough to recognize it. And so she brought into this conversation and this temptation. She didn't recognize when it was t twisted and, and misrepresented. She didn't know well enough that the, char the character of God, she didn't realize that he was, he was questioning the character of God. She didn't know that because she didn't know she didn't know the word well enough. And she came to doubt it. And, and certainly she stopped believing in the word. Because the last challenge to her was, you will not surely die. That was the exact opposite of what God said. And she ate. We need to trust the word. <clears throat> we were separated from God because of a lie. Right? We were separated from God because of a lie that Adam and Eve believed, and we are restored to him by a truth that we believe. We need to love the word, and we need to depend on the word. That's the message I get out of this. We need to love the word, and we need to depend on it. Adam didn't love it, and he didn't depend on it. He didn't depend on it as much as he needed. Something in what he heard in that conversation or something that he heard in, in, or something that, that Eve explained to him or talked to him made him, be, made him think that what the tree provided was more attractive than, than God and his word. Uh, you know, Jeremiah, I don't have these on there, but Jeremiah uh, uh, 1.16, 15.16, love that verse. It says, your words were found and I ate them, and your words became to me a joy and delight and the delight of my heart, for I am called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. Psalm 1, 
um, you know, the, the first two verses in Psalms 1 talks about, you know, blessed is the man who, who walks not in the counsel of the wicked or stands in the way of sinners nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. We need to know the word. We need to trust the word. We need to love the word. It is the most important thing in our life. You know, I was thinking about it. Um, we, if, if there are 1,189 chapters in the Bible, and the average chapter is 26 verses, that's 31,000 verses in the Bible. We might only average on a week 15 to 20 verses taught each Sunday morning. So if that's the only exposure that we have, which for many people is the only exposure that they have to the Word of God, the Word of God, how many weeks do you think it would take them to get through and, and have been exposed to everything that God had said? 30 to 60 years it would take them. Now, we're more fortunate here. We have a, we're studying the Word every week. But even if... If our only exposure to God's word right now is just what we study in this, in this chapter through two chapters a week and listen on Sunday mornings, then you know how long it would take us to get through the, the word of God? It would take us about 17 years to get through the word of God if that's our only exposure to the word of God. The word of God is important to us and, and um, we've, we've got to learn to love it. We've got to learn to trust it. Um, all right. So another thing I th see in here real quickly is the impact of, of and the seriousness of sin. The impact and the seriousness of sin is, is tremendous. It's such a wide and destructive, I mean, wide-ranging and destructive. It impacts, think about what happened in the sin. It, impact, it had an impact on, on human beings, right? You know, right after Adam and Eve fell, what it says immediately, it says immediately after they disobeyed, it says they were naked and ashamed. They felt guilt and shame, but not just shame for what they had done. They felt shame for who they were. There was something wrong with them. Um, they felt guilt and shame. Something dramatic changed. The glory that they had been created was lost. You know, all of us, um, all of us, carry that same sense of guilt, that same sense of that something's wrong, something is wrong. Um, the impact on the marriage relationship. <clears throat> they saw not only their own nakedness, but they saw each other's nakedness. There was mistrust that was sown between them. Um, instead of being partners in a perfect fit, which is how God designed them to be, they would now wrestle over control. You know, in the judgment that God had, you know, I basically said to the woman, your desire now, instead of you being the perfect helper for your husband, your desire, because of what you've done and what's going on with you, your desire is going to be contrary to your husband. And your husband is going to rule over you. So now there's struggles in the marriage relationship. There's impact on the family. You know, when, when, when God um, uh, declared the judgment on Eve and he said you're going to have pain in childbirth, you know, he said it twice. He said, you're going to have pain in childbirth and there's going to be pain in, in, you know, bringing forth children. There are some commentators that think that God was, was speaking also to the pain and the grief that mothers were going to have in raising their children. And, I mean, we all, 
all of us who have kids, especially if we have teenagers, we know the grief and the struggle of, that we have with raising our children. There was, um, there was an impact on human relationships. You know, um, in, his, in his curse and in his judgment on the, the serpent, he told her, you know, the seed of the, your offspring, I'm going to put enmity between your offspring and between the woman's offspring. And certainly he was talking there about, um, about the enmity between Jesus and, and Satan and then that Jesus would crush Satan's head and, and Satan would bruise his heel. But I think also, and I think some commentators believe, that there is more than that. That he's talking about those who would be God's people and those who would, be, um, who would belong to their father the devil. We see in scripture that, that men are sometimes referred to as, um, you know, as Cain was, re, was you know, referred to as, um, you know, a, a, his father, the devil. Jesus talked to um, and, and accused uh, the Pharisees of uh, following their father. And, and, and then there's the impact on the world, obviously. The, the ground was cursed. The world was cursed. And then there's the impact. Um, obviously, the most significant impact is the impact on our relationship with God, uh, man's relationship with God. Our fellowship with God was broken. We're separated from him. We're removed from his presence. We are dead spiritually. Our relationship with God was, was impacted forever. And the greatest impact was that this didn't just happen to Adam and Eve. This happened now to all of mankind. So it passed on to the entire human race. And so in light of this, we, um, what did Adam and Eve, what do you see Adam and Eve did? They didn't confess. They didn't repent. They didn't turn to God. <clears throat> Our second, my second point is, we should respond to sin by confession and repentance. Adam and Eve, they, they hid from their sin. They made fig leaves to cover it. They tried to fix themselves. They actually created the first religion, the first false religion. They hid from God. They, the distrust that they acted on when Satan deceived them, and in that conversation when they committed that sin, that distrust that, that Satan introduced now became embedded into who they were. There would always be a mistrust. They would, man would now always struggle to trust God. And when approached by God and given a chance to confess, they couldn't. <clears throat> they wouldn't accept the full responsibility of their actions. What did they do? They hid from God when he, when he came. And then when God called them out, Adam blamed Eve, Eve blamed the serpent, and then both of them blamed God. They wouldn't accept the, uh, the responsibility. We have to respond to, to sin by confession and repentance. That's what I learned from that. That's what I see in there. If we know and trust his word, we know that we can turn to God. We can run to God. Because we know, we know from his word that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Confession, what is confession? It's, it's turning honestly and in transparency to God. 
It's not hiding. Repentance is turning to God and, and asking for change. It's turning to God and not covering up but seeking change. Adam and Eve didn't do that. We don't see them doing that in there. We need to do that in, in, in our relationship with sin. Um, Psalm 32 and Psalm 51, don't have time to read them. They're great guides to, for us to learn how to confess and repent. Third thing I think we see in Genesis chapter 3, I think we see Jesus. We see Jesus when God comes looking for Adam and Eve. You know, John 3, 17, right after the famous verse in Scripture, what it says? It says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Adam and Eve thought that they would be, that when they felt that shame and that, that recognition of what they did, they thought that they were going to die. They thought that they were going to be punished. They thought that they, were, they feared being condemned. And, and what happened? God went to them. He didn't go to them in accusation. He didn't go to condemn them. He went and he called out to them. We see Jesus definitely in the judgment upon the serpent. I mean, obviously, that's the, the first foreshadowing of the gospel. The, the proto-evangelium proto is what they call it. It's the, um, you know, it's the foreshadowing that Jesus was going to come and he was going to defeat uh, hell, death, and the grave. He was going to defeat Satan. He was going to defeat sin. We see, we see God, I think, apparently, when he slaughters an animal and he covers their sin. I mean, he... That was the first shedding of blood. We see Jesus in that. That's a foreshadowing of Jesus' sacrifice for us. We see him when, also when God banishes them from the garden. You guys see that as, as a judgment or a harsh judgment that he banished them from the garden? There's a blessing in there. That's one of the blessings that we see in there. Why did God banish them from the garden? He banished them from the garden because he, did not, he in, did not intend for them. He was not going to allow them to live eternally in a state of sin and separation from him. I think we see Jesus in that. What was undone and what resulted from what man's sin was is all restored through God's promise of Jesus. Everything was restored. I love this. Uh, oh, third point, if you want, right here, is we should respond to God by believing in him and the one he has sent. I wanted to share this quote here from James Boyce. We are fallen, we are faithless, rebellious, filled with pride. As a result, our only hope is the grace of God by which he sends a redeemer who instead of being faithless was faithful. Instead of being rebellious was obedient. Instead of being filled with pride was the one who actually humbled himself to even death on a cross. What was undone and what was broken in the garden was restored uh, through Christ. You know what, um, uh, and you know, if you think about it, what in, in one garden, one head of a race did not trust God 
and he fell and he brought the whole world into, into sin and judgment in a second garden, the second Adam obeyed God and he repaired and corrected what the first one had done. Um, we, have to, uh, we have to respond to God by believing in him. Look, in the last couple minutes, one of the reasons why I wanted to focus on this last, this last thought, we should believe, we should respond to God by believing in him and the one he has sent. Because, you know, we believe, we have head knowledge. I'm sure every one of us in here would say that we believe that Jesus Christ came, he died for our sins, that, um, that our sins are forgiven. Um, but in head knowledge is different than, than what we believe. We believe in our heart. We, what we say and what we think and what we affirm isn't necessarily what we actually believe. I mean, what we believe is seen in how we act, and, and how we act is an indication of what we believe. And so what do we do when we fall into sin? What's your first response when you fall into sin? Do you try to cover or numb that sense of shame and guilt? Do you, do you do that by keeping a distance and hiding from God for a period of time until that, that shame and that guilt falls away? What do, you, what do you do? How much do you rely on your own works to feel forgiven and get back in God's graces? When you've sinned, when you're falling, when you're failing, do you, do you struggle with that and look to, you know, I'm going to just do better? I'm going to, uh, you know, do you look to your own works? And, and how much do you fear and resist being honest, being brutally honest with your failings and coming to God? We have to believe in what Jesus did and who he is. We have to believe the fact that, that his death and his resurrection restores us to God. It's a safe place to come to God. It's safe to turn to him from sin. It's safe for us to be able to confess. And we have to believe that, that in, in Christ we will be able to find our, um, you know, I, again, I love the scripture, and I'll end with this, 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. You guys think about that verse. You guys, many of you know it. Is that how you remember the verse? If, you're, if we're faithful and just to forgive, uh, if we're faithful, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Do you think of the last half of that verse? It doesn't stop there. It says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And so we have to believe that our repentance, that our coming to Christ, that our turning to him, that our relying upon him um, will, will help us to repent. 701, I'm going to close us in prayer. Lord God, thank you for, again, for your word. Thank you for, um, thank you, Lord, for coming and meeting us um, in our sin. 
Thank you, Father, that, uh, that you came looking for us, that you sent your Son, Lord, uh, when we had failed, when we should be condemned, uh, when, we should, um, when we should be separated from you. You come to us. And Lord, if, if anything, I pray today that, that you would just stir in us, Lord God, a, um, a desire to know your word, um, an understanding of how important it is to us, a hunger for it, Lord, and a love for it. Lord, I pray that you would, um, you would teach us to, um, to respond to our sin in, in, in confession and repentance, that you would teach us to, to turn to you immediately, Lord, that we, wouldn't, uh, that we wouldn't fear you, that we wouldn't try to, um, to cover ourselves and, and look to our own righteousness, Lord God, but that we would turn to you. And, and Lord God, I pray that we would understand more who Jesus is. I pray that we would understand more um, the gift of his grace because, Lord, by that, when we understand your forgiveness, when we understand the love that you have for us, when we understand the grace that you have for us, we're overcome with love, um, Lord God, and, and, um, and then we obey you, not out of works, Lord. We obey you out of, out of gratitude. We obey you out of love. Thank you for this time. We ask in uh, Jesus' name. Amen.